When was that song? When was it released? 2000, maybe? 2009. That late? Wow. <laughs> so you were, uh, you were raised in a, in a religious environment, or you were not. You're listening to this. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about what it was like for some to be raised in an evangelical culture, uh, church and home. And we're glad that you're here listening with us. And so we're going to have a conversation with two moms and two daughters, and we hope that you enjoy listening. In 1874, the British government passed a series of laws called the Regulation of Public Worship. A lot of people cared an awful lot about church back then. True. On one side, people wanted more ritual and ceremony. On the other side, they wanted mostly none. In the midst of the battle, one minister, a rector in London at a church called St. George in the East, had stopped a practice whereby people who volunteered in church services could avail themselves of liquor from the rector's cupboard before and after the service. The Reverend King closed the cupboard. We have opened it again. Welcome to the rector's cupboard. Order. So welcome to the rector's cupboard. This is series two and we're gathered here this afternoon or this morning. Still morning? No, with afternoon, Afternoon with two daughters and two moms, <laughs> but you could also say four daughters and four moms, correct? Uh, correct. Yes. And uh, so we're pleased to have a conversation that we hope will be a blessing and uh, will be something that those of you who are listening will enjoy. But first, we thought we would start off with a little bit of conversation that might kind of get us ready for some of the being raised as a, a young woman in evangelical culture, and that is about the recent Super Bowl halftime show. So it's 2020 right now, February 2020. And what are we on Wednesday? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Super Bowl mm-hmm. was Sunday. on Sunday, and there was just this fantastic halftime show. And off to you, oh, Allison ladies and Catherine. Ladies oh my gosh, it. I was I sat there pretty much, and I was like, "Dude, you are fit and like way more talented than I am." As far as I'm like, I was just sat mostly in awe of like. The so this dancing. is J Lo or Shakira or both? Both. Okay, I mean. So. I, yeah, I particularly with Shakira, I think one of the things that I really actually really loved about her is there was there was a lot of dance, so it was just it was a lot of just awesome um, entertainment in that. But I'm like, dude, she's not wearing any heels, which I loved. I was like, you, you're not dancing in heels. I feel like that's a little bit of like a nudge towards like patriarchy and stuff, yeah. which I liked. Um, I loved J Lo's heels. I think they were. Uh, sexy thought, like, as hell. Yeah. But also, I just thought, like, those two ladies... Well, let's, that's the other topic. <laughs> those two ladies are really good dancers that they can are. sing. Like, they are... They can sing well, um, but their special skill is dancing, and the more that the performance just went into letting them dance, the better it got, I thought. Like, they yeah. were amazing. But not everyone apparently... From reading various <laughs> articles, comments, press, not everyone agrees with the two of you. So weird. So what are they? What what's wrong? Yeah, I think what's I'm what's right. upsetting people? Um, honestly, in a, in a lot of ways, I'm not entirely sure because there there's this projection that uh, I've heard the you the term pornographic used with it, which I go uh, one of one of my friends said. I don't know what kind of porn they're watching if there's no sex and no nudity. Was that um, friend Ken Bell? <laughs> yes, it was. It was one of his rare, okay. really yeah, good, uh, yeah. you know, observations. Good point. My mother-in-law was like, I don't know why they have to show their bottom. And what, like, who would want to watch that? And I texted my husband back and said, uh, who wouldn't want to watch that? And he said, I'm not even going to pretend to lie. That's very true. <laughs> so, I mean, it, I thought it was, it was great. And was there, like, sexuality and sensuality to the dancing? I go, yeah, but I'm also, like, it, it was very on brand for other performances but that they've both done. And we're it, looking also, at like, cheerleaders that were at the game were doing just right. like they were wearing less, I would argue, significantly less than both Shakira and Jennifer Lopez were wearing. No one says anything about that. It just, it seemed very interesting, the things that, that um But they're getting criticized getting on from both sides, right? From the right on. and from the left. So you have some people, so there's this column that we all read, Jennifer mm-hmm. Weiner writing in the New York Times, it was probably on Monday, um, and it was interesting to read some of the comments, because some people are like, just... You know, stop bothering them. They're they have a job. They're doing their job really well. You well, might have a different job, but the the things seem to be the idea that aren't we past this? Aren't we past this? Is kind of the ideal. 
you know, image of what a woman what a woman should be. But many well, pe- many people said but that's not what they're saying. What they were projecting wasn't what the the ideal for a woman has always been. Like neither one of them are are unhealthily thin. They are both very very fit. Um, and I know from articles that I've that I've read that Jennifer Lopez takes her health very seriously, like what she eats, how she works out. But it, like, it's her job. But she's not having some sort of like cocaine induced anorexia. Right. Like she she's not looking like she's going to pass out, or you could like. So I would argue that it's it's a different sort of ideal that's being projected than than in a lot of the past. I don't feel threatened by it personally. She's not trying to say every 50-year-old should look like that. That was a big part of the article. Is the yeah, I think that's, that's ridiculous. I don't, I don't feel threatened by that. I don't think that she would say everyone should do this. I right. think she would understand that she has personal trainers and she has childcare and she has chefs yes. and she has money that and that she has taken time to to invest in her health to look like that. And not everybody can. Right. I think what we've definitely seen proof of is that women hating on women is definitely not over. And that's what that's yeah. what to me it shows that, is. that we're still there. That um, we still have women that are speaking a lot about trying to empower other women. And here are two incredibly powerful, amazing women, mothers. And they, like to me, their performance embraced power and mm-hmm. at their end when you saw <laughs> sure that did. picture yeah. of JLo at the end I thought you are powerful yeah. <laughs> like you have like got the entire stadium like rocking to what you have done and I thought my here's my little girl like dancing around like woohoo dancey dancey they don't see things through a sexual frame like the the sexualization of it is in the eye of the beholder yes. I have to say yeah. and mm-hmm. you know um well put so I think you know it was funny I think I read somewhere on uh, Sarah Bessie's Facebook that like her kid was like when when JLo was up on the pole like oh that's really cool and athletic <laughs> it's like if they don't know what a pole is used for in other places yeah. they don't just look, think it's don't cool look at that, right? honey. like they don't yeah, yeah they, they have have no idea it goes over their head and so anyway i just thought it was an awesome uh sort of example of powerful women uh taking back their power um and it's lame that women had to get all over that yeah yeah Mm -hmm. well it's interesting so thank you very much for the conversation and speaking of uh a friend who made such a cogent comment uh, that particular friend happens to be with us right now. We yes, introduced Ken Bell to you, our cupboard master. Yay! Thank you very Ken much. Ken is once again opening the cupboard. of the booze. I am. And <laughs> it's true. And I don't look anything like Jennifer Lopez, nor can I dance like she does. I thought you had trained um, with her. I've tried on a pole, but it didn't oh. end well. Oh, dear. So, anyways. Uh, Moving on. <laughs> so, we are here at Deep Cove Brewery. Uh, it's one of the first... Uh, breweries open on the North Shore. We've been here before for other events, but this is the first time we're recording here. And we're going to try a cocktail. We tried uh, on a previous episode, we tried Aquavit uh, from here, and it went over really well. Uh, and so what we are going to do is we're, they make gin, they make vodka, uh, they also make beer, but we're going to go with the cocktails. And so we have a vodka cocktail uh, called the Deep Cove Donkey. Now, before you drink that, drink the vodka oh, yeah. first, mm-hmm. just so you can taste what the vodka I'm tastes like. I'm supposed to drink like. the vodka it's first. Yeah, just take a little sip of the vodka. Having a it shot like here now. It's, it it's, it's like a quarter of a shot. It's I like feel a quarter like of a shot. It needs to be. Ooh, goes right up your nose. It does, right. but it's quite it's quite smooth. There's there is some <laughs> flavor to it though, um, and it's just. I'm not sure my mother's ever done that. <laughs> I know me either. <laughs> <laughs> we need like visuals she here. Had she had a lot. Oh, you, oh. Wow, she knocked back. There the whole we go. Thing. <laughs> Esther knocked right. back well the whole done, shot. Mother. Esther's down. And so <laughs> now that you've now that you've tasted just the vodka, the cocktail in front of you is called the Deep Cove donkey this is one of the first ones they ever put on the menu it is the deep cove vodka with some fresh squeezed lime some gifford cucumber syrup uh imported from france and then dickie's ginger beer so mm. it's vodka lime oh I ginger like beer that. and cucumber oh yeah that's much I better mean, with the vodka the mixed best, in yeah, maybe not the best wintry kind of drink but what do you what do you Super think of that refreshing i like it yeah it's really nice so anyways enjoy if anyone oh, is in what's the in here it is ginger beer, vodka, fresh squeezed lime, and cucumber syrup. Really Do you know good. what I like? It's not that sweet. And it's I don't not super that's sweet. Did you the try cucumber's it, quite fresh. Really? Um, 
Yeah. Anyways, uh, enjoy the cocktail. Hopefully that helps the conversation. It's a good aid to conversation. <laughs> it is. And uh, if any of our listeners are in the Deep Cove uh, area of the North Shore and want to come and check out an amazing distillery and brewery, uh, Deep, Cove Vod- or, uh, Deep Cove is a great place to go. So back over to you guys for the conversation. Thank you, Ken. Thank you so much. Well, we're here today. There's five of us at uh, four mics right now. So, um, and let me just kind of introduce to you who are listening, who uh, is here. So, Catherine is here. Catherine is one of our regular hosts. And so we're pleased Catherine has, was away for a little bit and missed a couple of the episodes that we were doing, but super great to have you back. And Catherine is here with her mom, Carol. So welcome the two of you. Thank you. And then we have Allison. Hello. And Allison, as you know, regular, <laughs> regular. host on the podcast <laughs> as well. can't get rid of me. But Allison has brought her mom, Esther, along today as well. So hello, Esther, hello. thanks for joining Thank us. You. You've recovered from the shock. <laughs> yeah, actually, okay. I, I feel Loosened the warmth. up a little bit to have this conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, uh, and really the, the topic for today, uh, well, it's wherever you guys want to take it, but is growing up uh, in an evangelical kind of culture, environment, both church as the whole culture of the church and then particularly the impact of that culture on the home and for the four of you particularly we're talking about moms and daughters right now so i thought we'd start off with one question and anybody chime in uh and that is what was it like to grow up in a conservative religious environment any of the four of you can kind of respond to that um i think like i i grew up in the 80s and 90s um so that's kind of like the time frame that, that I grew up in. And mostly, like, I, I don't look back at my childhood with, with a lot of negatives, actually. Like, I mean, I know I, know I can <laughs> bash on evangelical culture a bit, but, but mostly it was positive. There, there was a good dose of morality, like, mixed into a lot of, a lot of um, my environments both like at home and at church and I went to a Christian school so like God was everywhere couldn't escape him (laughs) Um, but I mean I I there's not actually huge things where I'm just like oh if only this had been so different and like it doesn't make me angry I would say, like, it's funny because I was looking at this in terms of conservative religious environment, and I think it didn't feel like that at the time. No, like a lot when of you're stuff, in it, yeah, it, it just feels normal. It, it was, is. What I it had is. a wonderful childhood. Like we had, we had a wonderful family, and um, you know, I remember there was a lot of games. There was not a lot of cable, and there was a lot of outside. And you well, know, there was no cable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, um, you were a no cable home, also. Mostly, yes. yeah, us too. Except for you know, you got those three channels, and I used to like tell my mom I was watching Jeopardy, and then turn it to Beverly Hills Nine Two and when she went upstairs. <laughs> Sorry, mom. Sorry. Um, anyway, and so, um, but yeah, there there was a lot of freedom, I think, in growing up in that time. Um, that maybe we don't have as much of with my kids now in terms of just like running free in the neighborhood and and kids yeah. and kids being kids. And I think it's probably even different for our moms growing up in a more conservative well, uh, environment. Than yeah, I was going to say, I don't, I don't even remember thinking that it was no. a, typically a conservative, like that, The even the frame and the thought of con- conservative religion, like that just didn't, this is just what normal was and and thought okay there were sure there were lots of very it was very black and white what was right was absolutely right and it was absolutely right all the time and so um yeah it would i there was a lot of it that i just really really loved my first years we were in an anglican church and so um i grew up loving hymns and part of that when I first learned how to read music was having all of the parts sung all around me virtually all the time and so um, yeah for the most part I loved it Mm -hmm. I think um, I can speak to a very different upbringing in the sense that it was again it wasn't a conservative religious upbringing it was home it was home with mommy and daddy and I lived in Montreal in a very French community. And I would call my life a little bit of a bubble. My parents, oh, definitely. My parents, my mom was a missionary kid who was a little bit rebellious. My dad came a very, very strict brethren upbringing. And they both left Britain and emigrated to Montreal 
exactly to avoid that conservative mm-hmm. upbringing. So I did, I'm unknowing growing up with two parents who are making it intentional to raise their children with more freedom. Hmm. That was their intent in immigration. Hmm. So that's interesting right off the bat. And But we have, as you say, we have no idea. We're just growing up. But the thing that it offered was there was was small numbers because I actually couldn't speak French so it was just us our little nuclear family so my family and my best friends were my brothers and sisters so my mom and dad had a pretty easy go of it to uh, establish the black the white the rules and we were very obedient because there was nowhere else to go (laughs) but I would I would I would say that because we were um encouraged to read there was no tv and everything i would remember one word for my child and that was i was bored a lot i wish there was more stimulation where huh. i lived mm-hmm. um there was no library there was no hockey rink there, there was been no 90210 mom. there that was, was a really good show it was in a very rural place and so i would have to say if i looked back that was the only but that I got us God. God was only came once a week when we went to church, and it was quite a distance away. Hmm. So it was it was like that was there, but it was a little bit the backdrop for it. Can I can I ask one question? And, and I think each of you has mentioned kind of an absence of uh, popular culture in s- in some form, cable or whatever you're saying. Oh well. Why was there Why was there an absence of that? Because sex. That's Ooh. no, I'm just teasing. Because, because the world, yes, in, in the a world. lot of ways, like I mean, Mom, I remember on Sundays we could only listen to 106.5. We weren't, and <laughs> like right. it was, it was I a didn't rule. Think that there were other, other, other stations didn't exist, and like, for so many years, I thought you guys loved my music, and I was shocked wow, when, no, to realize Mom you never. didn't. Sorry, love yeah. you, but no. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, it's interesting. Like, like my my husband, his. His family, well, I mean, his mom doesn't really care that much about music and stuff, but his his dad would listen to, like, The Who and The Beatles. And so he had kind of, like, this cultural education that I didn't discover until, like, that so many of these bands existed until I was in my 20s and my 30s because it wasn't part of my growing up. Like, I had to listen to Larry Norman, which I know you love, Oh, mom, my goodness. Come yeah. on. Yeah. He was awesome. But I don't even there, know who there, that is. Know. Who's Larry there, Norman? Oh, my <laughs> And I then wish there's we'd all oh, ready. Uh, it's a rapture song. Oh, oh man, yeah, like really, mom, mom you you dropped the ball on that one. I know, I I, I do know all of that. <laughs> yeah. But even my parents, you know, it was Mantovani. Sorry, you know, <laughs> I had to listen what they listened to. You know, my big my big feature was Ed Sullivan every week. I got to watch Ed Sullivan's show, so that was my oh absolutely. Culture. I remember yeah. watching the Beatles yeah. absolutely the very first time, and I can remember thinking, if were you they ever would... allowed to listen to them though? In your oh, house? absolutely. Well, yeah. watch it. Depends if your special. mom or your dad was there. I don't think I could have owned one of their records ever, but um, because lyrics became a really big deal, and even to me personally. So at a time, I can remember when DC Talk came into the world, and oh all God. of a yes. sudden, I'm like saying to my kids, okay, I don't know that I can listen to this, but let me see the lyrics. And I looked at their lyrics and went, okay, yes. awesome lyrics. We will even take you to their concerts. We'll buy their music for you. But but yeah, lyrics were a big deal. It's for funny me. because um, when I think back to like um, discretion of my parents, like movies was huge. Oh, absolutely. Anytime, I think my mom just about spit out her drink over there. <laughs> uh, so anytime I went to like... Uh, a kid's birthday party my mom had to phone ahead and be like what is the movie you're showing and I was Did so you do that embarrassed with me, mom? I don't know I didn't phone it in wouldn't surprise <laughs> I didn't phone in advance but it was really hard when mm-hmm. there were, uh, even in fam and even with family where their kids could watch what we had yeah. decided was going to be watch. wasn't going to be appropriate for them at yeah. least at that age, right? And the thing is, is that there was kind of a double standard, especially when we got into our teens. Um, like I joked uh, because of sex, but like that was purity culture was like huge, huge oh, yeah. in that huge. era. Absolutely huge. I remember I had a True Love Waits Bible. Do you do you know yeah. what I'm talking uh, yeah. about? Yes, <laughs> I have a signed certificate. Oh, you have a certificate? Yeah. Oh wow, you went it. all the way. I'm sorry, God Todd just looks so incredibly disappointed in me at this moment. I think we've hurt Todd. No, I signed a certificate that I wouldn't have sex until I was married. Oh, yeah, wow. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, so that I was think promoted from my church. Yay. But then I think like b- blood and gore and violence, totally A-OK. Like yeah. guns everywhere, yeah. no problem. Guts, but sex. But sex, no can do. Like somebody 
kissing on the screen. My dad's at that remote faster than you can say fast. And it is on a different channel. So, but okay, funny story, which is that one time, okay guys, one time I was like so embarrassed that my mom used to call and figure out the movie ahead. So I was like, no, no, mom, I already checked. They're not watching a movie. And I lied, guys. So I went to this this birthday party. I was in the seventh grade. And you know what movie they showed? Like Child's Play 2 or something. And like 20 minutes in, I'm like wanting to vomit. And I'm like, I'm not feeling good. I guess I'm going to have to go home. And I phoned my mom. She's like, or are you just not feeling well? And I said, yeah. And then from then on, I never worried. I was like, yeah, I guess you have to phone and see what the movie's going to be, mom. <laughs> so, uh, so I learned my lesson and I had nightmares for, uh, for a long time. But you know, when I was thinking of the background of why, why all the rules, why, why all the culture things. And, and I was thinking of just the whole... Um, I always like to take a step back and look at the big picture. So all of a sudden you're a woman in the church and you get married and the expectation is you're going to have children. Because I actually thought, why did I have children? And I thought, because everybody thought I would, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's what you, you do. don't actually think deeply. But then once you're given that job, I take that seriously. Totally. And, you, and, and we were, and you know, lead up a child in the way he should go. And, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's in, in, in your mind. So you have this massive responsibility and you want to raise a child that's um is a representative in society of of good and integrity who's healthy in body mind spirit so that means all of a sudden not only you but the generation ahead of you is scrutinizing what you feed them even before i was pregnant or just before i was pregnant i started to get information and when i even had the baby the first woman from the church said to me aren't you disappointed you had a cesarean couldn't have it normally Oh and I'm like, gosh. no, I was just alive. <laughs> I survived it. Catherine oh, was born. Um, but there was these expectations of perfection. And after, and then you think of the spirit. You're responsible for their first introduction to God. So is your God a God of the Ten Commandments and of holding a stick every time they sin and an angry God? Or is your God the gentle Jesus, meek and mild and soft and listening? Like you are the one who's going to give them that first viewpoint of God. What a huge responsibility. And so we take it very seriously. And then we feel as if we're given, we're the guardians of what goes in your ears, your eyes, and your heart. And that we take, that's why there's all of a sudden, well, I have, I'm in control of what she reads, what she sees, what she hears. Hence, the records, the TV, everything. So what did you guys think would happen if they consumed the wrong stuff? We prayed a lot. They would go down the wrong path. Yeah, they'd go, they had an opportunity. And then what? And then there was, and then there, there's this cliff of damnation that's on the uh, other okay. side, right? And, oh dear, that's right. And you, well, you, you, on some level, I, I believe that it took a long time for me to separate what my kids did, right, as representative and reflective of their responsibility and character as opposed to what they did was an absolute reflection on me that's it and whether yeah. i was a good mom that's whether it. i was a good did, parent did you whether guys? i did my job well so whether they behaved it's the we had this family that sat in the front of the church with their four kids that sat perfectly like angels i'm fairly certain they were drugged <laughs> you know yes. it's all shit but, but, no, you, but all. well you know like oh you, Esther, you, you, you had no know? idea how to actually make that happen because mine there never was no did hope that for no, us one of, <laughs> one of one of the fellows i grew up with and you know him in the church his father kept a wooden spoon in his jacket <gasps> pocket and every time they started moving in their chairs he just opened his jacket and showed them the wooden spoon you know i mean this was but let's let's think of the I think gender has a lot to do with it too because in the end the mothers did a lot of the raising the mothers have a lot to to speak into this because our job was the stay-at-home mom and 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 so in a sense we uh in a brethren church certainly women didn't have positions of authority they had no voice so our children were a direct extension of who we were and our identities and when you're 21 years old when you get married let me tell you you still haven't figured out who you are yet or what your version of god are and and let's face it the the movement towards perfectionism in the church is really huge because well we're trying to live like who jesus so that's a pretty high bar for them (laughs) and i mean your children haven't a clue really what they're doing cared very deeply that I wore dresses to church. <laughs> Mom, I like to this day, I, I, now I'm starting 
to like dresses again. It's been, you know, 35 years. But like, I remember the scratchy collars and the fights on Sunday morning. Hey, do you remember, Mom? We fought about dresses every hey. week. Same with us. Same with I you, know. Allison. I, 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 well, it took I had a little less time. I to only like had it again. one girl. I had two boys, so and all now of her hopes and, and now I get me. a chance to actually <laughs> put put her in in a dress with frills and ruffles oh and all gosh. that you pink two and, and no, all that kind of stuff. But like, I can so remember this fight that I had with our with our eldest son as we're driving to church because of the t-shirt that he was wearing and I was highly offended that he would have chosen that shirt. <laughs> and as we're pulling into the parking lot, because you know, you're supposed to walk into church as nothing has actually happened as you've, you've argued and screamed all the way to church, because now we're going to be the everything's wonderful and walk in together right that. in any case he says to me so what you're really upset mom is that this is a bad reflection on you right that's right and I was like oh I was slain because he was ab- absolutely right yeah and I was devastated for the entire service to come to terms with wait a sec is if that's accurate what kind of pressure is that putting on my kids Right? Anyway, so... And, yeah. and I think, too, there's this idea that there's... Uh, I can't blame it all on the church because culture said... Uh-huh. Culture also asks that you present children who look pretty, who are um, going to fit into society. Now, here's the dualism. There's dualism throughout this because you've got a God who's very... Who's got, uh, you know, an angry God who you, you must learn not to lie, not to cheat, not to do anything. The rules are there. And you must ask Jesus into your heart. And you give them, It's very formulaic. You, 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 these are the rules. These are the way you dress. This is yeah. it. I remember being in a Bible study one morning when um, a girl walked in and she burst into tears before we started because her, she caught her 15-year-old daughter putting blue eyeshadow on. And I re, at this point, my children were almost into their uh, late teens, early 20s, and I just looked at her, and, and everybody around the room is sympathizing. And she's just beside herself, and I'm thinking, blue eyeshadow, it's not pregnancy, it's not drugs. It's yeah. like, like yeah. really, yeah, but it's yeah. blue eyeshadow. Yeah. It's, it's a slippery slope. slope. It's a slippery, slippery slope. slope. Is but that what you guys encountered, like, as far as, like, the... The, the teaching and stuff that that this would lead to this would lead to this and eventually you're going to have kids that are you know getting people pregnant or are getting pregnant and no then then they're going to be just damned no i think we wanted the final product this perfect little human hmm. that's why we dressed them up the boys in little suits with ties i mean how ridiculous we were dressing up children as miniature adults like yeah. what were we thinking you yeah. know and but the thing is i think the other thing is is that if I was to criticize my thinking and look back, I wish I'd equipped my children more with critical thinking and also with respect because what that does is robs the individuality out of the children because they are not products of you and they are not like a lot of parents say, well, I didn't have this, so I'm going to make sure they have dancing or they, and maybe they don't want dancing, you know? you're living out some of your dreams through your mm-hmm. children and you're going to make sure that if you didn't get to wear makeup your daughter maybe gets to wear lipstick you know the, the thin end of the wedge or something or get her ears and, pierced or yes ex- or get her ears pierced when you you didn't it's ridiculous really because that's all about us and not about them and i think that is what the evangelical conservative community could have improved on and yet and yet let we sit here today and both of your daughters have their nose pierced. Yes. And uh, <laughs> neither of you do. So I think you did good because <laughs> we seemed to develop our own minds somehow yeah. through this. And so so I think uh, also there's, you know, we're always hard and critique our own parenting more yes. than actually is of course. true. And I was saying to my mom when we were talking about some of this yesterday, like one of the, we were, we were thinking like, what are some things that... Um, you would have done differently. And I said, well, before I had kids, mom, I could have given you a laundry list of things that I would have thought that you had done differently. And now that I have kids, I think, oh, so none of us know what the heck we're doing. (laughs) So they did the best with what they could at the time. And that's exactly, that's exactly my thoughts as well. Like I know that my mom and I over, over many years have had many, many conversations. And I know there's been times, mom, that like you've, you've just like, in, in your physical sense, like there's just been so much heaviness and so much grief and you apologize for, for some of the ways that, that you chose to parent me. And, and I mean, I, I don't view 
your parenting in in that in that light like I, I don't think you have anything that you need to apologize for oh, that's um, lovely you just I mean say. I think some parents do you don't <laughs> um, like that's not like a blanket like because I, I think that you you were handed a very a very strict framework uh, you also had your own damage like just because you're, you're a person and you had your own experiences you were trying to parent out of and I think that it's it's really easy when you don't have kids to go, I really wish you'd done it this way. Oh, my gosh. How come 100%. you couldn't see that well, this? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm really hoping this doesn't screw up my kids too yeah, much. Yeah, now I'm like, oh, re- my kid has pants on? Thumbs up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, can, I can remember praying for God to give them, to erase some of those bad memories yes. that I believed that I had given them and that I wasn't saving for their education or their wedding. I was saving for their therapy. I was fairly yeah. certain about that. <laughs> oh, awesome. Uh, I can give you those bills then. Yeah. <laughs> Catherine mentioned, well, you mentioned like the kind of independence you both have or however you're talking about jewelry or whatever yeah. it is. Mm. Um, I'm interested to from the two moms of the daughters who are here uh, what can you think of times were there times you kind of I, I knew like I know both of your daughters and were there times you cheered them on for their kind of independence like were you you know because you talk a lot about kind of the sense of trying to create some kind yeah. of um, appearance but you, you have you have daughters here who are willing to kind of push those boundaries a little bit were there times where you were really grateful for that? Oh, absolutely. 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 In fact, um, I can remember the time when Allison and I were sitting in a coffee shop having coffee and the waitress comes to give us our coffee and she has like about, I don't know, eight piercings up her, up her uh, ear. And I was like, wow, that's a lot. And Allison says to me, so mom, you've been talking a long time about getting that second hole done, right? And I'm like, maybe well let's go just go do it uh, I'm uh, a bad influence uh, in a good way I okay think. <laughs> okay and so we just went we just went ahead and like but that was a freedom that she actually not only encouraged and allowed and I was grateful for that opportunity there's been so many places to watch Allison fly higher and the opportunity to, to applaud that and encourage that and to say you are an amazing person. You are an amazing person. So um, Aww, that's been a real, mom. yeah. Have I ever scared you at times? Have there been times where you're like, oh dear, I'm hoping this will end well? Hmm. Just say yes. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> true. Uh, probably. <laughs> God's like, I think that. <laughs> I, I definitely mean, the, pushed the boundaries. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't until I was out, until after I was married. Like, I was very much, like, people-pleasing, like, goody-two-shoes when I was a kid. Um, so, like, I didn't push a lot of boundaries until I, I got married, moved out, and in one sense kind of got pulled out of a lot of that evangelical. And I was like, oh, oh, I didn't even know I was in that. And so there wasn't, like, some oppression on me I like that, um, that I was breaking free from because I didn't know that I should have. <laughs> So uh, so I, I would have to say, Catherine, I was already in the doctor's office crying when she was two. So um, we, we <laughs> it began early for Catherine. And um, all I had was I would sit down with God, um, the ultimate resource, and, um, and the rest I had a book by Benjamin Spock and then Dr. James Dobson. Those, those were my... Okay, <laughs> wait, but wait, guys, this is a better story. And, because and, and, and when I started, and so the doctor said, he did say to me, she's strong well, but you know, this is actually a really, really good thing. Um, you just need to redirect. And I, I also, that's where I learned to begin that I am me and she is she, even at two. And to respect the individuality and that God had just... I was a channel for this child to enter the world and, and to really let go. And, and, and I think as a parent, that's what your whole journey is, is about letting go of more and more and more to allow them to be more and more of them. And if you can do that and communicate through the way, that was my way through. Everything about me is about communication and encouraging open communication. And, and um, But to, I read The Strong-Willed Child, and Catherine had other ideas. What, what, what? Yeah, I, I actually um, recognize 
realized the strong-willed child was not a good thing in my life since she started reading it. And my mom came into the bathroom and I had thrown it in the toilet. So <laughs> I think that's awesome. Thank, thank the baby Jesus that that strong-willed child <laughs> ended up in the toilet where it should be. And, uh, the other big moment is her coming home from camp, and she had shaved. She had long blonde hair. She had shaved the entire back of her hair until it was bald. And she said, what do you think? And I had, tr- I was trying different techniques as a parent, and I thought you could do one of two things. If you go, oh, that's really nice. She might. She's really trying to invoke an, a shock reaction. Yeah. To, so she's in common with her friends. So I just put on the shock reaction, and I went, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Wow, wow, wow. And this is what I tried. The, the woman, the aforesaid woman with the blue eyeshadow. I said, just pretend you're shocked. That's what she wants. And I said, because then it won't go any further. But, you know, this was just... Good luck with that. This was my whole philosophy at the time, trying to figure out how they wouldn't take another step, you know. So, so for me, it was like, well, it'll grow back. And I tried to be open and kind of in there and cool. It's useless. They have, they have their whole plan figured out. And my son was equally strong-willed. So I had two of them. And it was just very challenging. But in a way, it's the best thing for me as a person to start to lose my own ego within it and did I and also not to, to quit worrying about what the other people are saying about uh, your daughter oh, totally. putting orange hair or doing that to stop yeah. and going isn't that magnificent and that's what I changed my language and said isn't she fabulous that she is brave enough to do it. and the more I did that the better it was to and start I wasn't to so worried about yeah. hair hair yeah. will grow yeah color it shave it piercings tattoos yeah. a little tattoos, bit different I yeah. wasn't tattoos was the line You're I wasn't still not okay with that well yeah. I, it just wasn't a line I was willing to cross because those, those are things that are getting rid of is pretty difficult yeah you know and and in, but I think the only time I was uh maybe afraid was watching her go through some hard stuff when she was probably about 13 and it was a hurt that I couldn't fix yeah it was a hurt that I couldn't make better and um, so many times, so many hours on my knees and on my face saying, God, if you don't show up, I'm not sure what to do. So, uh, but I don't think that there were things that she did. She was not, she wasn't my rebellious kid. She just wasn't. Yeah. yeah. But I think. See, now I've said it, I've now well, said all, it publicly. All four though. Of you here have but you, do you know, you don't, in the church though, you didn't always feel as a parent supported to be different. Oh, and that was right. Yeah. And, and what I realize is that the challenge first comes to us. Are you going to be, yeah. are you going to step outside yeah. the rule? Are you going to step outside and say, and you start to question, why are we doing this? That was the most important thing. And I think even in the questioning and being more open in our, why do we believe this? Start to ask the questions and not be afraid of more of God as the, questioning and even now as I live I go I have more questions about God than I have answers but I started out with an awful lot of answers oh I was so uh, black and white like frankly the fact that I now even wear gray is is pretty huge that's how black and white you are wearing gray now after you had the vodka shot (laughs) yes and that we can be more uh, liberal have more grace for ourselves and to start forgiving ourselves and see God is differently with us as parents and we need to forgive ourselves and also be able to say gee kids I'm sorry I made a mistake that was something not encouraged in our that was never patterned for me and so for the fact that we then took it upon ourselves to to go back to our kids and say you know what I was really wrong and I'm so sorry um that was brand new that was we felt that was a very scary realm but because wow. we were relation we wanted relationship with our kids down the road that was real right. um that became really right. important to us well, I, you you all all four of you have girls and boys yes you yes. do it can you i've got two adult boys boys now 22 and 20 um so i can only kind of speak from one perspective was there a major difference for you in terms of particularly from the faith culture aspect in terms of the pressure that was put on you in raising girls compared to the pressure that was put on you in raising boys, could you delineate a difference or was oh, it absolutely. quite similar? No, there was a lot of, there a was lot a of lot of difference. Yeah. Boys can't get pregnant. Boys can't get pregnant. It all comes back to Boys sex. can get away with more, kind of? Like, like Boys yeah, can't like get even, away with more. Like yeah. even, even the way that, you know, our 
our middle son did more with even hair color or piercings or whatever than than Allison ever did when we were and for some reason that wasn't nearly as scary as a thought if she was going to do that there was a more so we, uh, there was a larger level I have larger protective claws around right. her than I did for my boys I think it always um, especially in like I grew up in the Brethren Church and women didn't have a lot of voice um, in that culture in the time I was growing up and so what could you hear or see from a woman well you couldn't hear because they couldn't talk in the service so all you got is your eyeballs and so women had to look a certain way and I think that speaks to the fact that men had more flexibility with appearance than women ever did um, in that like women always so I'm very conscious now that I let like my kid choose what she wants to wear even though sometimes I'm like hmm, are we gonna wear that to church? I'm like, I, I'm like, no, I will not. I will not make her wear dresses to church, even though they're very cute. But anyway, I somehow got a really girly girl daughter, so it worked out. But, um, but yeah, I think, I think, um, as I remember, I had a lot of cousins, and I was always one of the few girls, um, and I noted that my boy cousins were treated differently than the girl cousins, even in family settings, all that kind oh, of stuff. It was always my responsibility to help with setting the table. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I was like, Nana, Nana, um, like, hello, Eric's not boys. doing anything. Yeah. You're the girl. Yep. And I even was like eating first, um, the like different, like just different things that would come to the boys before the girls. And I mean, um, yeah, like, I don't know, mom, if you remember. <laughs> She's rolling her she's eyes. Like, she's so scared. <laughs> <laughs> she I is just, speaking, just I, no I, words I, yet. I, think I, I go back to, um, I had boys, and again, this is where the answer is always the same. It depends. Um, but um, my uh, middle son, he just was one of these kids that at six had all the existential questions. And there was no room for that in the church, or it, but even oh, in our yeah. home. And he, he was into reading C.S. Lewis at seven years old and asking me all these questions. like, And... and um, I'm, I would have to admit that that was also challenging. Um, so it wasn't so much as how he was treated, because if he asked those existential questions, it was like, gee, he's not sure of his faith, is he? You know, And that, to not be sure and to not have the answers and to have that the, for- the formulaic, that was the threat, I think, for him. And so to give him a safe place to ask, and he still is like that. And so to let go of what I might think his, and I won't call it religion, his spirituality should be. And to be perfectly comfortable that God made him and that he is on his journey. That is not my prescription. I've just tried to assist him in the beginning part to have a framework and off he goes and it's So you're saying that that used to be a threat to you, Yeah, but it's not so much now. I think that he challenged me. He taught right. me something through that. Because I, I remember when he said, so, Mom, see if I've got this right, he said. If I pray, Jesus, come into my heart, it gets rid of the bad John, and then the good John comes in. And something in me thought, no, that doesn't sound right at yeah, all. Stop asking. So, <laughs> just, and just and do I it. was so sad that he would think. And, yeah. and I also struggled with that um, the 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 sin problem for um, and so these are not problems that are whether the church is in the 1950s or now these are about our 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 um, our theories our way of interpreting the Bible and um, our doctrine and how do you relay complicated ideas to your children in a way that builds their self-esteem and I personally see the church evolving to a very positive state of doing that I feel we have more psychology to understand what they're capable of understanding and grasping so that we as parents don't overwhelm them with with uh, uh, different pictures of God that the world might think so would the biggest threat at the time have been and I'm interested in how you might feel this different now Carol you've already spoken to this and what you just said but would the biggest threat at the time, I'm looking particularly at Esther and Carol, uh, have been if one of your kids, say at 15, 16, 17, says, I just don't believe any of this anymore. This mm-hmm. is this doesn't work, or even 18 or 20 yeah. or something. And that they say, I, I, I want to be really clear, I don't believe this. Would that have been, in the culture you're speaking about that you came from, would that have been kind of one of that the would worst have been, things? Yes, that would have been completely devastating. Now, and that would have meant that as a mom, as a parent, you failed. Totally failed. Yeah. Complete, mm. complete failure to 
um, implement the one job you had with this child, or at least that you believe that is really? that is yours, for them to come to that conclusion uh, would be would have been completely heartbreaking. So, I would I would say my journey was different. I started working in the church, and I had right. put that up on a pedestal, and I began. God showed me working in a church is no different than working in the culture and uh, that there's people are just people are just people and starting to feel uh, all my bubbles all the walls were breaking down and I was feeling more in my culture than I was in the church and that was so alongside raising our children there's our own journeys and however they're evolving you're going to influence or be influenced by your kids. So when my son, who who more or less take a different turn spiritually, it didn't frighten me as much as I thought it would because I thought it's good. He needs to go and ask the same questions I'm mm-hmm. asking. Like, you say this, but your actions do this. How come? And that was my number one question of the church. You say this, you teach this, but this is not what I'm seeing. And so in the same realm that I was asking, it made a good adult conversation to have with my children. Yeah, and I will say, um, like, I had a unique family in that it was very active in the church, very well known in the church, and especially in the Brethren community, I could tell that my parents were doing things differently. So, like, it's funny because I know you said, Mom, at the beginning that you wish you had imparted more critical thinking skills. I think all three of us have very strong critical thinking <laughs> skills. Good. And I think that's because um, even though there was this sort of we should have all the answers and we should say xyz there was no question that was not allowed to be asked to my parents and my parents are both (laughs) they're both chatty chatty intense people that like to get into debates about things or talk about things and so if you brought up a spiritual question to my mom or dad I mean you're going to be sitting there talking about it for 45 minutes and there was no conversation that you couldn't have with them and I think that was probably different than some of my cousins or or my or my parents asking their parents I'm not really sure Um, but we did have that freedom and I think probably our answers worried them sometimes um, but they still allowed us the space to ask those questions and I think um, so I'm really thankful for that growing up and I know um, especially um, some of the stands that my dad as an elder in the Brethren Church took for women um, with my mom sort of um, t- together doing that I think that was really um, good learning for me um, because uh, though my mom, you know, wore head coverings and had to do all that stuff, um, she very much didn't teach me that about what women's role were, were. And so I think, you know, stepping outside of what was the common um, common knowledge or common assumption at the time, um, I, I got the benefit of that, right? Even though it sort of maybe um, had hurts that were in generations above me. I think those difficult conversations... Um, actually happen maybe more now than than maybe ever before. You, t- you talk about these things now. Yeah, we talk a lot about these different things Different understandings now. Different, of yes, God that, and that maybe saying, I don't believe isn't the, the horrible threat that you yeah. once thought it was. Yeah. Because, at times, because of a trust in God. Yes. Yeah, because and, the trust I, is deeper, not, ab- not absol- more shallow. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. Todd. And um, I, I become more curious now... Um, than ever before in my life. I, and I want to hear what she has to say mm-hmm. that may, we may not agree on, but I'm now in a place where I want to hear right. you. I want to have that conversation, and I'm not sure that we'll walk away um, on the same page, and right. it's no longer the goal is agreement. The goal now is understanding, and that is a huge shift because yeah. agreement was the absolute, I mean, obedience, are you kidding? Obedience was the thing, and I'm the parent, so I have to win. So you must agree. That was not an option. So the option now that we can be at a place where inequivocably I will love you and nothing you will say will ever change that but I want to hear your perspective and maybe holy samoli I could be wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> wow that's beautiful, how's, that, how's that how's that even possible but but, <laughs> but that's our era 
you see that it, it so speaks and I just see there's an era and I, I want to quote this Richard Rohr quote who uh, says each generation has to make its own discoveries of spirit for itself if we do if if not we will react to the previous generation or we'll overreact and so if we don't start it's like any evolution with the spirit. Every generation's going to go, oh, what we thought then, we don't think now. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to have the answers. I and don't know a- whether that, the, actually this didn't even occur yes. to a conversation I would have had with my parents. Disagreeing right. with them, right. oh my goodness, I would have kept my opinion to myself. I mean, and not that it wasn't until later years where... It was so hard for my dad to come to a place where we would still be okay, even if, if we even if we disagreed, because disagreement m- was broken relationship in his well, opinion. Disunity, absolutely. But that was sin. You see, yeah. it, it yeah. all got categorized as sin, and then you had to have something to confess and be absolved from, and 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 back under the formulaic thing. And I think that it does speak to the fact that generations we are changing. And I think it brings more love and grace and harmony to I each hope other so. I and, sure and, hope so. and within families. I think I it's so that. hopeful. Like when we talk yeah. about the hopeful gospel and the, For the sure. sort of the hope in the future. I mean, I think that's a beautiful way in order to strive for understanding instead of Mm. agreement to Mm -hmm. strive to listen to each other and really hear where we're coming from without an agenda to agree or disagree or change one's perspective but just more listening I think um, you know if that would be the only thing we could strive from we'd probably get a lot further and one of the things that came up in terms of how I will parent my children differently Um, from a church perspective. We were talking about this is that original sin piece, right? Like how do you start telling a five-year-old or a six-year-old or a seven-year-old that you're, you're bad and you need this to, to go forward. And I think, um, you know, I, uh, my mom and I were talking about this a little bit, um, but in terms of how I parent my seven-year-old, we haven't had conversations about sin. And quite honestly, I don't really know how to go there. Like I don't, She's a lovely little seven-year-old. I don't want to start talking about the blackness of her soul yet. I just don't feel that's necessary. Um, And so that's something that I'm doing differently. Um, And I don't know what the answers are. Uh, And, you know, I recently heard a speaker talk about original blessing, which is that originally we were, as humans, designed uh, as good. And uh, I think that's a beautiful way to see it, right? That that, mm-hmm. um, but I, but I still don't know sort of where I'm going to land on that. But I think, you know, as we look to understand and ask questions, um, and look to sort of change our our theologies, we have to sort of listen to the spirit in ourselves, and um, and I think give that more credit than maybe where we have in years past in terms of what was taught from the pulpit or what was told to us by other people. So it's evident to me that that you guys have experienced change in how yes. you view things. I mean, you're not, you're not. It didn't, doesn't seem that you're as committed to that kind of the four <laughs> perfect kids in the front row. Um, do you think most people have changed? Is this something that that I wouldn't say, or, most. or is that yeah. culture still something that just kind of replicates itself? And and something potentially exceptional has happened in your case what do you think I hope that um, we then become influencers to give permission for that kind of conversation to happen Um, because it doesn't just happen most of most most of my a lot of people that I know that still feels very threatening that for us to disagree still means our relationship is broken as opposed to being able so I hope that it becomes more common. I ho- that's my hope. But you wind up, in a sense, I, I think, as I know all of you as wonderful, caring people, and you wind up, in a sense, feeling sorry for people that you see totally doing that. So it's not so much an opposition, right? It's not you're a terrible person. You have great. all these bad ideas. It's it's I remember how hard that was to try to to keep that up, and so that sense. So I, what are, one of the things I'm interested in is how your faith has changed which then has opened some of this so that because to some degree it's a concept of god 
that is, you know, God wants my child to fit in a certain, you know, they are most pleasing to God if they are like this. And of course, as your faith opens up, you realize, oh, it might actually be the other, that God really pleased with the people that kind of push the edges and do the, so your your faith has changed and allowed you to, um, any, any kind of ideas why your faith has changed or what, you know, you don't have to give all the personal stories and stuff, but what, what are the things that have led you to a different place, thinking of some of those people who might still be trying to to kind of keep everything perfect, right? What a lot of that help? has happened um, over the years as I've worked, um, worked alongside either people, with people in the church, or currently uh, I my, the job that I have is I work in a transitional house uh, for women and children escaping domestic violence, and um, so we are, uh, we are, even though we're a faith-based organization, speaking of that faith is something that happens with qu- direct questions. And so um, hearing different, like my, my world, my circle has so enlarged because for most of my life and most of my working life was within that bubble of the church community. And so to now not be in that, particular arena on a week-in, week-out basis um, for my job has really opened up my eyes. And because I want so desperately for others to know just how much God loves them, that they are worthy of belonging, that they are enough. I think that's beautiful. And I think, I don't know if it's because I have just taken myself away from judgmental churches or churches that feel judgmental to me. But when I think of where I feel... um, judged or that I'm not doing everything perfectly it's more from culture right now like the the cultural message given to Mm. women and moms um is you should be able to do it all you should be able to have a full-time job you should be able to make great children and take them to soccer practice and also keep a clean house and also do all these things and I think that's actually not true like you can't you can have it all, but not at the same time. <laughs> like you can have and it all, great, like on not different great days, cost. and and there's there's prices to pay, yeah. right? And so I think, um, you know, if you look at like online social media is, is terrible for this. And there's been times I've just like taken a break or not not looked at it because there's so many so much mom shaming. And to come back to the very first thing we talked about, which is like, is J Lo allowed to be like to look awesome, right? Like, of course she's allowed to look awesome. She's amazing. She's power. She's fantastic. And why do other mothers feel the need to say, well, that's not my mom experience, so therefore it can't be valid, right? Can't I think be valid, everybody's yeah. mom experience is so personal. Um, and everybody's parenting choices are so individual um, that it's just so important that we validate each other. And um, so, yeah, for me, um, and, and this is probably in the context of growing up later than you guys were in the church, my, m- the pressures that I feel are more, uh, are more external, um, not necessarily religion, um, but cultural. I think for me, the biggest change is um, having been immersed in the church, we're in leadership in the church, teaching Bible study, then becoming a parish nurse and on a staff. Um, I was struck by the fact that people would accept Christ and almost it, it felt like they were putting on a jacket of a role they were playing and, and they had a language, the Christianese language, and I felt, who were they? I couldn't see them because they all looked the same. They all said the same thing. And I guess I felt very much... Um, challenged that was I going to live my truth and was I going to in the end I have one life to live am I going to choose to be authentically myself and could the world handle and because I felt that Jesus call was not to the church was not to it but in order to actually um, tell the world about Jesus it had to be first and foremost authentically and so that is my goal and process and it leads you to strange places but I also felt that I wanted to model that and and that my one son is a musician plays all over the world and plays modern music it would lead them to different places but I wanted to give them the freedom to be themselves and trust that God would still be in their story and in their picture in a way that I couldn't control. Oh, yeah, and that he will continue to pursue them. That's right. And, yeah. and also that, that I think there was so much control in my world 
that I almost <laughs> go to the pendulum swings the other way. No control. Let's see what happens. And mm. I guess may, may I could be still proved wrong somewhat, but that's, that's what led me to uh, openness and change. And I think it has only been a good journey, and God is always with you, always. Mm. And that's Thank that's you, guys. Message. Thank you so much. Uh, it's a, obviously a conversation that we need to keep, keep. having and to continue. Um, I'm struck by, because I, I, you know, wasn't so much a kind of a family thing for me, like a Christian family where I felt pressure from parents, but I was part of a, a religious a subculture that came in after the head coverings in, in Catherine's example, but where the, the lines were pretty stark and clear. And, and in, I think how my faith has grown, I've seen how letting go of some of those lines uh, uh, has allowed me to grow in faith. But it, but it also brings up that uh, I'm still thankful Right. Mm-hmm. And for, oh, absolutely. But be, and being thankful, though, some people, some people have put this on me that if you're going to be thankful, you can't admit kind of the, the difficult or negative or even damaging things. And I don't, I don't feel that at all. Like the the things we did to one another, some of them were terribly, terribly, terribly damaging. And those things, I'm not thankful for. Yeah, <laughs> um, we do a good job at yeah, shooting and, our own wounded. And so right. it, I have a deep, deep regard. For, for much of that and even part of that subculture, but I don't have to repeat it. No. Yeah. And it's not the call for me. And so uh, so we can be grateful, and I know you guys are grateful for one another, and we can continue this conversation, and thank you so much. Ken Bell, you're back. Uh, so do you have any parting words? Uh, just to say this was a wonderful conversation from all four of you. Thank you very much. And, uh, yes, we do have some parting gifts for our two uh, guests, so uh, I'll give you a choice. You can either take home a bottle of Deep Cove vodka or a bottle of Deep Cove gin. Uh, your choice, whatever you prefer. You both want gin. That's an excellent <laughs> choice. You excellent. Yeah, yeah. Can I so, remind you the queen drinks gin and tonic? So oh, yes. well, there you go. We are of that era. We yes. are. Yes. yes, excellent. So, and we want to also thank Deep Cove. Uh, breweries here for uh, hosting us and letting us come in and for producer and, Rick. and producer Rick as always Ooh, uh, listening in making sure that we're staying on track and on time so thank you very much and we hope you enjoy the episode and we'll be back again soon okay.